You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Our love for God is also demonstrated in action, not just in word or deed or during a certain time in our uh, services on Sunday morning. We stand and we lift up our hand and express our love in worshiping God. Yes, that's a part of it, but it needs to be so much more than that because our love for God has to be demonstrated through action. So let me ask you this question. What have you done for God recently? What brings you together in relationship with others? Many times it's going through a shared experience. It might be a really memorable trip or a very difficult circumstance that bonds you together because you helped one another get through it. In an interesting twist today, Pastor Mike shares how this passage in 1 Samuel relates to the church and God even today and what that means for you. The things you experience may help unite you with others because of what you go through together. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 22 as he begins his message, David's Army. I remember what you said, you returned that I might live in my Father's house. Let's go ahead and get into our study. Turn with me where we left off last time. We're in the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 22, and this is a part of our uh, After God's Own Heart series. And in the progression of that series, we now move into 1 Samuel chapter 22. The title is David's Army. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Remember last time we left David seeking refuge from King Saul, uh, and he sought that refuge in the Philistine city of Gath. And uh, the reason why he's there now is because Saul is bent on uh, killing uh, David. So David is hopeful uh, of their uh, protection, that is the protection of the uh, Philistines. You see, there was this precedent uh, back then in those days within that culture that if enemy warriors had been disgraced in their own country, they could seek refuge and asylum from those countries they had uh, been uh, battling against. And so that's the reason why David uh, fled to one of the Philistine cities, particularly the city of uh, Gath. So that was a precedent. But David wasn't received well, as we discovered last time together. He wasn't received well by the Philistines, who may have initially thrown him into prison, which was indicated by what is recorded for us in the 34th and 56th Psalm. 
which by the way was uh, written out of David's experiences uh, there in the city of Gath, standing before the king. And when brought before the king of Gath, Achish, for examination, David, if you remember last time, pretended to be mad and thus secured his freedom. Let's go back to the previous chapter just for a moment and read verses 14 and 15. And now David is standing before the king. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Now you may be thinking, why did David pretend to be uh, mad? Well, back then also within that culture, uh, the insane, uh, this was their uh, common belief, was under the protection of God, of their gods, and didn't mess with them. So that was the way that David thought that he would procure uh, his freedom. So that basically is where we left off last time. And so now we move into chapter 22, and in verse 1 we read, David therefore departed from there, that would be Gath, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there uh, to him. Okay, so on leaving Gath, David sought safety and security in the cave of Adullam, according to verse 1. Now, Adullam was located some 10 miles southeast of the city of Gath. It's been described as a hillside area honeycombed with caves. Adullam lay so near Philistine territory that it was regarded as part of their land, although it lie within the borders of Israel, but at that time it was not under Saul's, the king of Israel's, control. And so just think of it as a border town, if you will. Now, during this time, it was extremely difficult for David. Uh, remember, he was lonely, he was isolated, he was companionless, he was destitute uh, of love and sympathy and understanding. And remember last time we talked about, we went through all of this list, all of the things that promote physical and mental health. So all of those things are absent right now in David's experience. Well, anyway, according to verse 1, notice, word of where David was hiding there in those caves began to spread. And we are glad to read that his family uh, from the city of Bethlehem, that's where they lived, joined David there, according to verse 1. And actually, I, I don't know if they had any other choice. I mean, things must have been very difficult for them as well after Saul's hostility towards David became public knowledge. Okay, let's go on now in chapter 22, and let's read verse 2. And everyone who is in distress, everyone who is in debt, and everyone who is discontented gathered to him, to David, and so David became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Okay, so uh, that is those who were discontent with Saul's reign. And so many renowned warriors left Saul's ranks and joined David there in Adullam. In fact, you can uh, read about these men of renown, these mighty men. Uh, their names are recorded for us in their deeds, different things that they had performed, uh, mighty works in 2 Samuel in chapter 23, and also in 1 Chronicles in chapter 11 that provide additional information concerning these 400 uh, men. So I'd encourage you sometime during the week, just check those 
uh, mighty men uh, of David's uh, out and their accomplishments. Now, David must have stayed at this location there in these caves for quite a while. For a total of 400 men, not only 400 men, but also their families threw in their lot with David. And so I imagine that that didn't happen overnight. They just trickled in, you know, families one at a, a time. But this is to David's credit, that he was uh, won their love and loyalty, and then also welded them into a powerful unit. And so David is now the leader of a bunch of mercenaries, if you will, guns for a hire. Now, I think that there may be something else here in these first couple of verses that is worth our consideration. You know, I actually see this drama, uh, other than what's going on with David here, I think that there's another drama that's being played out for us. It's sort of an analogy. I see these types, I see these parallels between David and Jesus. I see these types and parallels between Saul and the devil. And these 400 men that made up David's army and the church. Now you say, how's that, Pastor? Well, God, think about this, God had anointed David as king. However, Saul is still upon the throne. And he's doing whatever he must do to hold on to the kingdom, not short of killing uh, David, as I've already mentioned. And in the same way, God has anointed his son Jesus Christ as king. And the devil is doing whatever he can do to hold on to the kingdom, to rule over the world. In fact, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 4, there the devil is referred to as the god of this uh, world, of this age. So the devil is doing everything possible so that the rightful King Jesus will not be able to take over. And Jesus, if you also think about this, who in a sense has been driven from the kingdom, who is living in exile, has gathered together men, an army unto himself. And what is that army? Well, it's you. It's me. It's his church. Men and women through which uh, he plans to establish his kingdom and bring to pass his reign upon the earth. Remember, just uh, not all that long ago, we were studying in the book of Revelation. And we talked about uh, Christ's second coming back with his church to establish his millennial kingdom upon the earth. So even as those who join themselves to David will establish the kingdom of Israel and bring it to the zenith of its glory, uh, we will be used uh, in the same way to destroy the enemies of God. Now with that said, also I see an interesting parallel here. Let's consider these men and the similarities between uh, David's army and the church uh, today. And notice the description that's provided for us there in verse 2. First of all, we are told, for the most part, they were men who are distressed. Now, I want you to think about this. One of the reasons why we came to Jesus, even as these men had come to David, was because of the fact that we were distressed. I mean, we look at the conditions of the world that surround us today, even within the church. I mean, even before we made that decision for Christ, uh, we had this aptitude to want to know God. And many of us were seeking. 
And remember Jesus said, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open unto you. And that's exactly what Jesus did for all of us. And uh, I think many of us were disillusioned about the churches that we may have been raised in, some of the denominations that we were a part of as children. And so we were distressed. And uh, we looked within those churches as young people and we saw the hypocrisy. We saw that the people that attended those churches were self-absorbed and sleepy. But then even looking on the conditions outside of the church, that is the inability of our legislators, members of the Supreme Court, to uphold Christian values and to honor God, some of which even continues today, as you know. We consider the condition of our nation, our world, our youth. Listen, if I didn't know that God was still upon the throne and in control of everything that's going on today, he's only allowing what is going on in the world uh, today, that which he allows if I didn't know that, I would lose my mind. And so these men that joined themselves to David were distressed. Even as when we joined ourselves to Jesus, one of the factors uh, were that we were distressed as well. But then notice the second condition of these men. Go back to verse 2. We are told that they were also in debt. You see, they had overspent. They had obligated themselves above that they were able to uh, pay, and that got them into trouble. Now, you know this. If you've uh, put a lot of money on, uh, you spent a lot of money on your credit cards and you weren't able to pay that debt, it gets you into a lot of uh, trouble. You know, American Express sends out their hitmen looking for you, don't they? Right. You, get those, you start getting the phone calls and, and the letters. Now, even as I am spiritualizing this text, I'm taking license to do that, I want to spiritualize the debt. And I want you to think about the church. I want you to think about you. I want you to think about me. We owe our very existence to God. We're breathing his air. We're eating his food. We're drinking his water. But greater than that, I recognize that I have sinned against God. And those many sins have built up a debt over the years that we could not pay. But you see, God loved us so much he sent his son into the world to pay my debt for me and to redeem me from my sinful state and bondage. Listen, we owe Jesus all that we are. And so these men were also men who were in debt. And then the last factor that I want to draw your attention to, the last characteristic, the parallels, the similarities between David's army and the church, these men, notice also, were driven to David, were also discontented. And I want you to think about some of the reasons why you gave your life to Christ, why you came to Christ. You were discontent with our sinful state, and thus we came to Jesus for his righteousness, for his forgiveness. We were discontent with the corruption of man's governments. And so we look for God's kingdom to come. And so God took these men uh, here that had come, uh, and joined together with David. And as we will see over the next couple of studies, he made them into a powerful army. And also, that's exactly what God wants to do uh, through his church today. He wants to make us into his powerful uh, army. Okay, now, when they were living in caves, let's go back to our text now, near the city of Adullam, the Philistines again made inroads into Judah, there in the south, the southern part of Israel. 
and succeeded in bringing under their control all the land up to and including the city of Bethlehem. And their presence put certain restraints on David and his people there in Agilom. For example, they could not go freely to draw water from the nearby stream. They had to wait for the cover of uh, darkness. And in fact, on one occasion, and that occasion is recorded for us in 1 Chronicles in chapter 11, it's verses 17 through 19, there we read, And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three broke through. These three were uh, members of David's army, these mighty men. They broke through the camp of the Philistines. They drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. They took it and brought it to David. But nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. Now, why was that? And he said, far be it from me, O my God, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? And take special note of that because I, I think there's another parallel here concerning David's mighty men, his army, and the church. For at the risk of their lives they brought it. Therefore he would not drink it. These things were done by three mighty men. Men, these three mighty men that were part of David's army. And so that night, three of David's friends journeyed up the ravine, broke through the Philistine lines, filled goatskins with water. They fought their way out of the city and they retreated into darkness. They brought the water to David, demonstrating their love for him. Now, for a moment, let's go back to that analogy, the mighty men. Uh, members of David's army, and paralleling what the church is, what the church is all about. So let's for a moment go back to uh, that analogy. And remember, David is a type of Jesus. His army is a type of the church. And notice their demonstration of their love for David. Now I want to ask you a question. Our love for God. Uh, is also demonstrated in action, not just in word or deed or during a certain time in our uh, services on Sunday morning. We stand and we lift up our hand and express our love in worshiping God. Yes, that's a part of it, but it needs to be so much more than that because our love for God has to be demonstrated through action. So let me ask you this question. What have you done for God recently. And I want you to think about that. I want you to uh, consider exactly what have you done recently for God? And what, were, what would be some of the things that we could have done recently for God? Well, how about sharing with another individual? Sharing Christ with another individual? You know, making a commitment uh, to ministering to uh, the members of your church, your brothers and your sisters. You know, giving of yourselves, the resources that you have, making them available. So let me ask you that question again. For the name of Jesus, expressing our love for him. These are just some of the ways that we prove and we show our love. It's demonstrated in our action. Now, and there's so many other ways. You fill in the blank. There are so many ways that we show our love and express our love for God. There's so many different ways that we can demonstrate it through action. Now, although his comrades cared and loved David, there was still something missing in his life. And what was that that was missing in his life? 
his counterpart, that is his wife. You see, in the marriage relationship, remember, he couldn't flee back to his, his wife, Michal, uh, because Saul had placed people watching over his house, so he couldn't go back to his home, he couldn't go back to his, to his wife, because then Saul would uh, find out where he was and he would send men to take him and uh, ultimately uh, kill him. So uh, he wasn't able to uh, join together with his wife whom he loved. But in the marriage relationship, I want you to think about this for a moment, there is the potential for the greatest human happiness known to mankind. But you have to work at it. This isn't something that just happens. You know, you're wishing it to happen. And it takes a lot of effort on each spouse's part. You gotta, as I always mention, roll up your sleeves, really make that commitment, and work at it. You have to mutually work at it. I want to share a cross-reference with you. Pastor Jose, I know I didn't give this to you in my notes, but if you could, would you please pull up Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28 for me, if you can. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28. And if you'd like, you can also turn there with me. But, and I know that this uh, portion of Scripture is describing for us the relationship that we have with Jesus. Uh, Jesus being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. And so there are many parallels between that and the marriage relationship uh, in itself. And uh, there we are encouraged not to abandon the bridegroom who is Jesus and to make a real effort to pour ourselves into developing a relationship with him. But there's another application to these exhortations that are recorded for us there in chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. And notice there in verse 28, specifically, we are told, husbands ought to love their own wives. And let me also say that this works for the wives as well. So literally, it could read, wives also love your uh, husbands uh, as you uh, love your own bodies. And he who loves his wife or his husband loves himself. So what are we being exhorted to do here? Well, listen, if we desire a better life experience in the marriage relationship, we need to make that investment in our spouses. And if we do, we will experience great benefits. What would be those benefits? Well, there'll be unity. There'll be less stress less conflict. There'll be better parenting as well. So really, I mean, it really does take an effort to make a good uh, marriage. And, uh, and that's the reason why God brought you together. But So what have you been allowing to go on into uh, the marriage relationship? Whereby if any of these things are missing in your experience, you know, get back to God's uh, initial blueprint and you'll experience a blessing because the man who loves his wife the woman who loves her husband in this way you know receives the benefits you are the beneficiary of making those kinds of uh, efforts in my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, 
please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can listen online. Just go to the resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on oneplace.com and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. Viewing our recent services can be an option as well through Vimeo. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Would you like to connect with us on social media? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just follow the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House.